Hello, everyone. Welcome to Caster Calls episode 55. I am here with Brittany Johnson. I didn't incorrectly say that. That was, a, that was perfect. <laughs> <a> good guess. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, welcome to, to Caster Calls. Pleasure to have you. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I, this is really exciting. I'm glad you reached out to me. Um, you know, anything that I think really spreads knowledge about our space is really cool to be a part of. So yeah, thanks. Great. Uh, well, I think that, uh, as usual, we'll start off with your introduction into esports and general uh, video games as well. Maybe a brief overview of what you do now, and then maybe we can get into the the, the details, their history as well. Yes. Um, you know, I do. I, I think it gets really complicated slash very a very unique path. Um, which is hard to talk about and to lend advice to just because I kind of came in stumbling into it. Um, you know, what I do now, um, I'm building a my own company at this point. I'm building my own company at this point, and I still do a lot of voiceovers and hosting. Um, but I've definitely spent a lot of time on the business side of things and the talent side of things. So um, I would say ultimately I started out as talent. And that's where it kind of all snowballed from. Okay. All right, then. And then where did you do you like, did you have a particular start? Like, do you remember your first gig? Yes. I mean, well, my first gig, I would say, um, was when I was in college, I landed the role of Angel in Borderlands. Mm. And that, I had no idea what that was going to catapult me into. I was going to school for something totally different, completed school for something totally different. And it still really wasn't until Borderlands 2 when I was like, you know what? Um, maybe let me give this a shot for a little bit. Uh, so moved out to LA, was doing a lot of on-camera work, um, you know, Borderlands 2 press junkets because it was releasing that fall. And, um, you know, just through meeting a lot of people and being a guest on a lot of shows, I ended up being invited back to being a guest again. And then that's what really started my hosting career in gaming. Uh, you know, and, and that was 2012. So esports happened soon after that. Uh, just because I like, I am a gamer. I grew up gaming. Um, I loved watching. I, I grew up going to QuakeCon a lot. So I had just like this interest in it, but I didn't really ever know it was a career path. And so, you know, once I started making my way into that scene, my background's also, um, you know, in college when I was doing Borderlands at the same time, I was working for Red Bull, I was working for NFL, my, my degree is in something totally different. I had more of like a business background. Uh, so I knew I wanted to be involved on the business side, not just talent. So I started consulting at the same time that I was doing a lot of esports hosting, gaming hosting, um, and, uh, worked with different developers, publishers, brands, uh, you know, and how they can navigate the gaming space with their marketing budgets or doing a lot of influencer marketing as well. So what it ended up just becoming was talent strategy. Uh, and at the same time, I was juggling a full-time voiceover hosting on-camera casting career. Um, and and at one point it was full just full-fledged esports, um, you know, and so I think I've always loved both sides of it. And when people told me I had to choose, I said, no, 
over my dead body. Like I can do both for as long as I am able to do both. And once one really starts taking over the other, then that's when I'll make that choice. But until then, I can do it. I'm sorry. I know you can probably hear the helicopter going around. I live in a loud neighborhood. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, on the business side, you know, I got picked up. I would work instance for larger brands. I was working for the Lawbreakers launch. And then, um, you know, I was, I got brought in to be the director of league operations for, um, for the world series of esports that was filmed out of Vegas. Um, and so building out what that looks like, and that was kind of the PUBG era and then realized, you know, it's really cool to have that outlook on things (laughs) that, you know, like checking that off the box. Like I understand how tournament organizing works now. I'm cool. So after I did that and completed that contract, I was like on to the next, wanted to go back into talent strategy. Um, and then that's when I got plucked by G2 Esports to be their head of creators. And I did that for two and a half years. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's a lot of uh, things to break down, I guess. Then, <laughs> uh, a lot more of the basically behind the scenes um, than, than – I would talk to you about uh, a lot of the people who were on my podcast. So uh, first and foremost, what was the phrase that you used? Talent. Uh, talent strategy. Tra- talent strategy. Okay. Can you actually kind of describe what that is? Yeah. And so th- I guess this can be forwarded to what I'm doing now. I'm still – I as I'm building the company I'm about to launch, I've still been doing a lot of talent strategy consulting. So uh, when you look at G2 Esports or any org that I've worked with, um, it's how they're navigating – a different industry than what their main core focus is. So, you know, looking at G2 Esports where they've been, you know, super successful in the competitive scene uh, and they want to kind of navigate and go into entertainment, into merch, into creators, uh, you know, how to manage their current roster, who to bring in that fits the brand and what that trajectory looks like. So it's building out Hmm. more so like that business plan behind it and not so not necessarily the talent management but you know how does this all fit into what our plan is and where we see ourselves in three years yeah wow, and okay. and so it's the same thing that happens with um you know you can kind of take that model and use that for like marketing agencies brand agencies pr companies um you know uh brands i'm trying to think you know there's that's become such a bigger thing now that the like influencer and creator mm. scene has just blown up over the past couple of years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So very like overarching like vision. Um, yeah. 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 Thing. It's kind yeah, of bigger okay. picture of why are we spending this money and doing what we're doing? <laughs> yeah. That's uh, it's actually an answer I would love to hear <laughs> sometimes yeah. when it comes to esports. Uh, Sometimes the, the it's, it's it's controversial because some, it works for some orgs and it doesn't work for others. So right, yeah. you know, it just really depends on the team you have behind it first and mm. foremost. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so um, going back to like you know a couple of your first gigs, you mentioned the, the Borderlands. Like when when was this? I don't remember when it came out. Sorry, it was like two. I mean, Borderlands. We started working on it. I think two thousand nine. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was, so you're very much into like the video game scene um, mm-hmm. and I guess like general video game things and obviously doing the the voice uh, voiceovers. You said that you weren't really doing that in university, that you kind of like 
I mean, how did how did that happen then? Like, it's a, to have such a, I guess, what seems to be a big role, right? <laughs> but you weren't really an experienced voice actress at the time. I was super lucky. You know, I I cannot count my blessings enough for that opportunity because it I would not be where I'm at today if it wasn't for that. Um, I my friends knew I was a big gamer. Uh, they sent me this. Um, you know, back then it was everything was on Facebook, um, but it was pretty much like a flyer that was like be in a video game. And it was an open call. I like went to this open call, had no idea what I was doing. I was trying to rush through it. I was like, what am I here for? What is this? What student project is this? Because it happened at SMU Guildhall. So I was like, oh, geez, what what am I getting myself into? <laughs> um, I remember wanting to go to a movie afterwards and being like, come on, guys. <laughs> and I think they – and maybe that – not saying do this, but I think that like helped a lot because they were like, who's this girl? <laughs> Um, yeah. And so I, we kind of hit it off and then they called me back for a, a callback where they were like, you know, I went and I went through different phases of that where they, you know, were narrowing down options and, uh, and I ended up getting it. And so because I did not have that experience, they really did invest in me in like proper training and stuff. So like I, after school every day, I was driving to Gearbox and you know, we I'd worked with the script writers. I'd worked with kind of a coach, and and so whenever we were actually ready to film, I would be I would be ready for something like that, and not just like you know walk into a booth and not have any idea what I was doing. Right. Yeah. That's uh, that's amazing, actually. So I, I've done a little bit of of dabbling into voiceovers and voice acting, like I think many people have mm-hmm. in this space. Um, and I yeah, I kind of had no idea that that was. Um, I guess if you had told me this, like, is it possible? I would have said, yeah, I guess it's possible, but it sounds extremely unlikely, right? Pluck someone off the street and then be the person who gives them all the coaching. But I think that's even happening in esports to a certain degree. I feel like there's a lot more open calls for esports commentators that uh, they're really just like, yeah, if you, you know, aren't experienced, don't worry about it. And then they uh, are investing into a little bit of the education more development. Yeah. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, is obviously awesome, but just not how you think it's supposed to go, right? I mean, I, we hear a lot about the lucky breaks in a lot of industries, certainly freelance industries, but that's usually after years of like unpaid work, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can definitely get into that when I can talk about the, when I talk about the website I'm building, because that stems from a lot of that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll definitely get into it. Um, <laughs> trying to keep things a little bit chronological, I suppose, <laughs> though. Uh, so you do this and it kind of opens up the world into, I guess, like on camera work as well. So that's obviously you know, technically off camera, but uh, you've done tons of work. I was looking up Twitter and whatnot <laughs> uh, that is on camera at this point. Some uh, really fancy looking stuff. So <laughs> that opened up the world for you or did you still find yourself kind of a small fish in a big pond. I still found myself a small fish in a big pond. You know, at that point, uh, that was in the era of like maker and machinima. And, uh, you Uh. know, when, when it was less about content creators and more about hosts, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so you had more opportunity actually back then. Um, there were more opportunities, but there was a larger pool of talent. Um, in a different way. Like it was more talent who had very similar skills as you, like, you know, who could read a teleprompter, who can look at a, uh, a camera. But this was also different than shotcasting and any of that. Like this is more gaming news era when that was like, like yeah, G- yeah. G4 was, was a thing before they went on their break and came back, um, you know. And so I think that those were the glory days of being a host, to be honest. 
and then and then um, now it's swapped from gaming news into more like esports type hosting. So you know what what's you, when you're able to do desk hosting, stage hosting, it's mm. more it's become more like sports esport or ESPN type stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. I moved out to LA and I, because I had Borderland, it got me in the door for a lot of things, but it was still very competitive. Um, and I still had a lot of work to do because I didn't have that experience. Uh, so it was just, it was a lot of small jobs. It was a lot of jobs that were f- for free or super cheap just to be able to like build the relationship with that brand or that, you know, media company or whatever it was. Um, and so uh, yeah, and, and we really took until I got an agent that really helped me pursue some of the bigger things and kind of get on pe- more people's radars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll definitely uh, talk about that as well. Uh, kind of an emerging market, I suppose, uh, more popular choice for a lot of people in esports now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you mentioned that hosting used to be you know more plentiful in the in the jobs. Kind of was w- more focused on, and I'd never thought of it in that way before. But as soon as you said it, it was like. Yeah, it kind of made sense because I I was certainly the person who loved watching G4. Absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. And yet it never really introduced me to esports. And I've always wondered kind of why. Because there was competitive shows on there. But then I remember one of them was like, it still was mostly this, I don't know, really like jacked guy <laughs> who was hosting. It was still kind of his show. And all the players that were playing, I don't even remember what game it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the One of the Halos probably. Um, they, they were like very much off to the side, like they were there, but they weren't, you know, what they are now, which is for a lot of <laughs> esports, you know, they're, they're the real stars kind of thing. Um, but yeah, there's like so many hosting roles and so many just general video game, uh, I guess, hosting opportunities that came with it. Uh, did you think that, I guess that the space was actually populated by people who were into video games or did you find that there was a lot of people that were coming in from purely the entertainment side who dabbled in video games? I would say probably purely entertainment that dabbled in video games. I think Mm -hmm. like us, like you and I, it seems like grew up with G4, you know, I watching G4 at E3 was Christmas. I mean, I would just sit on my bed and watch literally from the morning until nighttime until the next day until that <laughs> week was finished of of content. And that's where all the big game releases were. And then you dreamt about going to E3 and like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm going to be a host on G4 one day, <laughs> you know. And and I think because that's where all the production value was, you know. And, and even if you looked at YouTube at that point too, you know, kind of once – G4 turned into cops reruns and everything kind of went more online. So like Machinima and the Maker days, um, it was more gaming news and that's where announcements were starting to happen and um, gaming reviews and and more about personality. Uh, and then the way that that I think even kind of died off was that, um, I mean, it's, it's hard because no one still has figured out how to bring back that original model of like why G4 was so successful back then. Yeah. I mean, G4 yeah. struggles with that. Um, now, you know, and Vin, Vin had so much money and opportunity and still couldn't f- grasp that. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone's still trying to crack that mold because there's nothing I want more than that. But um, right now, like, you know, the reason why I don't think esports back then was as big visually was because it wasn't as sexy back then. Um, <laughs> you know, like, the production of making the tournaments bigger and prettier mm-hmm. and like the stadiums that it would fill, you know, that 
that really didn't happen until later on. Yeah, um, absolutely. You, and so I think it just kind of naturally came with the evolution of esports and more interest coming into it. That um, that's kind of the sway of where like hosting and casting and stuff went. And I think right now it's kind of like ebbing, it kind of ebb and flows. And I feel like it's kind of coming back a little bit. You know, there's more platforms that people digest information on. So there's a lot of more more opportunities kind of popping up. But now rather than just having a pool of hosts, you have a pool of also content creators that are on Twitch and YouTube that are trying to do the same thing. So it, yeah. it's getting um, a bit saturated. Yeah, I can absolutely speak a lot to the uh, development of esports as someone who's in a StarCraft 2, which really uh, ushered in with Twitch, it was a symbiotic relationship uh, to the the modern era of esports, mm-hmm. um, and certainly the idea of like content creation and players being able to stream and become little celebrities of their own helped make it so that players were actually you know somewhat interesting. Aside from uh, was it Fatality is kind of one of the only people pre two thousand ten who were uh, outside of Korea, anyways, um, mm-hmm. really got a a lot of attention. And by the way, as far as the E3 thing goes, 100% agree. The biggest thing I miss from G4, actually, I miss icons. I freaking loved all the history shows. And I'm really sad that they, like, I don't even know if people are really attempting to do, like, a very similar thing. So, yeah, I wish that would return. What I wish, yeah, what I wish that G4 would have done when they came back was, you know, and I think this is the argument for a lot of remakes, um, just remake it the same but better. Like, you know, we have a, we have the updated technology. We have the update. Don't change it. Don't try to get weird with it. You know, don't try to, um, you know, how can we make this more modern? It was right, beautiful yeah. and amazing as it was. Just, you know, do that but make it prettier. Yeah, I agree. I uh, mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, so anyways, like the you know the hosting, obviously it's it's changed a lot. But at the time, um, you coming in as a little babby host, you know, uh, not an entertainer, but someone who's into video games. Uh, what were some of the, the big pains of learning, I suppose? Like, do you remember working with the camera for one of your first gigs? Do you remember like trying to pose? And, you know, did you have like the whole what I do with my hands <laughs> kind uh, of dilemmas? I think what was harder for me was um, – you know, I came from working with scripts. So mm-hmm. for me, it was always easier to work with a script rather than, you know, being being able to improv or being able to, you know, just have notes in my brain and hit the pulses and and just be able to verbalize all of that information onto camera and not be also thinking about how I look and what I'm doing at the same time, you know, and like the in-ear producer, that took me a long time to get used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, like, I, there's a lot of stuff I would pass on if it just well, – I was like, I just want to look at a camera, read a teleprompter, and be comfortable and, like, know – it's, like, have that I have a safety net. Um, you know, and <clears throat> it's very different the type of content you're doing when that's the case. Hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I took a lot of improv classes to help mm-hmm. And that really, 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 really like that changed everything when it came to interviewing um, and to just having a conversation with a co-host. Um, I think that probably was the most beneficial thing I could have done for mm. for my career. <laughs> you know, so and, like improv definitely did, helped a lot. I did Groundlings in LA and I'm very, very thankful for that. I do think that's a shared sentiment across many people that I've I've talked to who've who've gotten into it anyways, mm-hmm. um, and then even people who haven't, I think, all agreed that it's probably something they should get into. Uh, when did you 
were there anything in, in particular that you can think of when it came to those improv classes that you were able to directly kind of like take and, and put in the show? Uh, or did you feel like there was a certain point as to when you started to get better, I guess, because of the classes? Uh, I think it really came to learning how to guide the conversation because uh, that is something that you learn how to do in improv. Um, and I mean, it's almost like now that I've done the improv, it's so common sense, but you know, like the, the not, not shutting down the conversation on accident, like being able to guide it and saying, um, yes. And, you know, and, and being able to, you know, if you're having someone who you're struggling with being able to pull those answers out, you know, and that was something that I think made a clear difference in, in my style, Mm -hmm. uh, and what I was capable of doing afterwards, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it even helped whenever I'm doing, you know, like voiceovers and, and, and acting and, and on camera, like scripted work as well. So, uh, I, and in everyday life too, in just in conversations, like the, when I took an improv class, I was in there with a bunch of people who are lawyers. It, like it was actually the, the people who are in there as actors or entertainers was less than the amount of people who are in there for business or lawyers. And wow. I asked them about it and they were like, yeah, our, um, it's kind of like an extra credit thing for the law firm we work at because it definitely helps when we're doing our depositions and stuff like that. And I was like, that's freaking cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it makes sense. To, you know, I guess when you say it, um, anyone who's, I guess, into public speaking to any type of degree, mm -hmm. I can imagine it would help teachers uh, as well. Oh, and yeah. All that type of stuff. Um, this is absolutely not what you think of initially. For me, I absolutely think of people who are uh, yeah, theater kids, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like. And kind of, that's kind of what I was nervous going into. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go in there with a bunch of tryhards who are actually good at this. <laughs> yeah. And it was literally everyone on the same level. And that felt good. It felt good to kind of strip away all those insecurities and just be like, all right, let's learn how to talk to each other. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you, you, you're you doing a, a lot of this, I guess, on-camera work now. Mm -hmm. um, the, the world is changing uh, while you're doing this. Uh, do you remember kind of the first time you did, like, I, I guess what it was a pure eSports event, uh, if you have, I guess, done them? Yes. Oh, my gosh. What was my first one? <laughs> it might have been Halo. Yeah? My okay. first casting might have been halo and halo wars okay so did you cast first and then got hosting jobs at like later I, I well it was hosting and then i think someone was like hey can you cast too and it was kind of one of those moments where i was like sure i'll try sure. <laughs> um and you know i definitely have things i like and things i don't like and and what i one thing i didn't learn is don't attempt to cast uh or really get involved you know like I think you learn too how picky the communities are. And so it's mm. like, don't bite off more you can chew if it's going to show off or if it's going to come across as ingenuine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. I, spent, well, I think of Halo fans. They're, um, yeah. I, a, I was lucky with Halo. Bunch. They, I think I went in there being like, hi, I'm new to this. And they were like, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't yeah. trying to be like fake or any, like, I know what I'm talking sure. about. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. also gives you a lot of credit. I think owning, don't, you know, the biggest failures I've seen with talent is when they feel like they've become untouchable. Um, and I think you can always learn something. You can always, uh, you know, sh show some humility. And like, if you own up to that type of, like, if you don't try to come off as like, I'm the best in the fucking world, um, then I, people, even the 
people watching it see that. Even the people who love the game are like, okay, yeah, you're making mistakes, but whatever, you know. Right. Yeah. Did you ever get concerned, though, I guess, through all the – I don't know how long you've, like, stayed in a, a game. I, I guess so you would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you ever concerned about never being able to develop a – uh, like a attachments, like a homegrown appeal. Like, were you ever afraid of just constantly being viewed as the fleeting person who just came and went, and then people would just not appreciate you as much? I think no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but I know that everyone's different because I know there's people who are like, I really want to get into the Call of Duty scene, and I want that to be my focus, and I really want to grow that community. And I mean, it definitely helps with the growth of your brand as well when you do something like that. Um, but I was, I've always been okay kind of being like the substitute. <laughs> um, and, and that to me is okay because I, I like doing general gaming and I like doing esports. but, um, you know, and if, and I always like, I'm open to it. If that conversation happens, if, if there is a community that I kind of really vibed with well and fell in love with, and there was a title where even like the, the tournament organizer developers were like, yeah, we kind of want you to be our traveling stage host or whatever. I did that for a little bit with League. Oh, okay. And I liked it. Um, I liked it a lot, uh, more on the amateur level, and it was fun. But I felt like I didn't, it, I didn't feel guilty for going off and doing other things. And that's what I really like to do is I, I, I have fun dabbling, um, you know. And so, but I also I see both sides of it, you know. Um, I'm, I think I'm just kind of that type of person. Mm-hmm. And when it came to, you know, having all these, these fingers and all these pies, like how did you do uh, prep? Uh, what were you mainly focused on when you got a new gig and you were like, hey, this much, I don't know how much time they usually give you, but this much time to, yeah, to a lot to of times it. it was not enough prep time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I definitely go and try to play the game a bit. Um, but more importantly, watch past broadcasts. I think watching past broadcasts has helped me more so than playing the game itself. That that sounds terrible. Like, I mean, I play a lot of games anyways, but I learned more about kind of what people like to hear and see about, you know, when watching past tournaments or past seasons than going through and just becoming like super familiar with like the gameplay and all of that, which – I mean, mm-hmm. you need to do both. You need you need to sit there and go through, like, the weapons and the blah, 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 and, like, get into it. But, like, when you don't have that much time, like, I've done things where they're, like, we need you for something this weekend, but, like, you're 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 going to be in China, so you need to leave tomorrow, and you have, like, two days of travel days. So you don't have time to sit and play the game. So I would just sit and watch past broadcasts as much as I can and read articles mm, and get into Reddit and all that stuff. So I've had both situations and – and do I prefer one? Yes, I prefer to be able to be as as you know knowledgeable as possible. But you're always thrown into situations you don't have any control over. Yeah, and when you get there, uh, how how is the interaction with the people that you're working with? Then um, do you make it a point to to go out and hang with them? Uh, is this where you get really kind of your more details? Is by talking to I guess the analysts or the casters that are going to be there, or is it mostly you kind of segment it off because you're the last second host replacement no i mean i've never i've never been on a project where i feel like i've been kind of isolated because i was like a 
like thrown in in the last minute. At no point has that been the case. I feel like for mm-hmm. the most part, everyone's working together to to prep for it anyways. Um, if anything, I'm the one who's like, let's go out and get drinks. <laughs> and like, I'll get to know each other and icebreakers, you know, I'm like, who wants to get dinner? Um, so I am probably the, the worst person to throw into that mix because, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm there. What, one of the things I think I love the most is, uh, you know, and one of the things I preach is like, don't just go in and be, all about like you and your job and what you're doing. Like take the time to also get to know the talent, take the time to also get Mm -hmm. to know the production because when there's those last minute curveballs or whatever, those are the people who are going to help you. So it's not even just like, Hey, like let's prep by going over like people who are like the athletes. Let's not prep just on like going over, you know, the teams that are in it right now. Um, But also, um, you know, just spending that time with them and breaking down that wall helps in the communication during the production. Great. Yeah, I think that's uh, something I think that other hosts uh, especially have mentioned is that they uh, they make sure to be friendly with everyone, obviously, mm-hmm. a lot of the chemistry that happens uh, on the desk and all that, but then also the, the production um, so that they get to know you, but then also that they actually like you um, mm-hmm. so that they, yeah, they're willing to, to help you out a little bit more. Uh, can be extremely beneficial, but it is interesting to hear this from the, the perspective of a host. I've done like a little bit of hosting, but still in StarCraft, so I still don't feel like I've done the like, here I am, like, let's go thing. Yeah. I still know so much about it. But when I talk to other hosts, they have such a, I guess, a focus on, on what you're talking about as well. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think though, for our, my scene, and you already mentioned that scenes can be so different, is that I do think that if you were to come and hang out with StarCraft people, because we're the coolest, uh, <laughs> we've all been very, uh, like that it's the lesson that I was taught by a commentator before me and I've taught the commentators coming up, but like, yeah, go out to the hotel bar, like have some drinks. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and like it, you also, there's, it's not worth it to ostracize or be mean or to disregard someone just because they might, it might be the one job you work with them and you might not ever see them again because you also don't ever know when you're going to see them again. And even if you are not the, the, the number one go-to person for that job, that production might, you might work with a producer that is like, Mm -hmm. that person was so much fun to work with. Let's work with them again. So like everything leads somewhere, you know, and, and you just want to, I think it's really important to have that reputation. And like I said earlier, like don't, don't come across and don't feel untouchable because no one in this industry is untouchable. Yeah. And uh, I take that and run with it. You know, you're you're now working so many, I guess you've worked on so many behind the scenes projects. You've had this great overview of esports uh, from, I, I guess, even looking at kind of its past as well. Um, and now you're going to be working on, is it pronounced Tavern? Am I getting that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. I got it. I got what you were going for there. Um, the the Tavern of all the esports people coming in. It's, it's nice. Uh, but so when you looked at like everything, can you tell us, I guess, what is another mistake that a lot of the talent makes? What do you what do you see kind of pervasive in the industry as it is for esports right now that holds talent back? Mm, and I think it's something we touched on earlier is investing too much into one title that whenever oh, yeah? okay. that kind of falls off, you are stuck 
at square one trying to do all the amateur uh, amateur events to build yourself up as a name in a different title. I think it is good to diversify your knowledge and what games you you can stream and can work in. Even if you know most of your time is in one title, you're capable and able to do other ones. Whereas like, you know, a lot of people really said Overwatch is my thing and it will forever be my thing and I will be known as the Overwatch person. And then <laughs> Overwatch dies and and they <laughs> cut budgets and blah 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 and then you're stuck being like hey guys I'm still a good host but like what should I host and now you're stuck mm-hmm. doing the amateur tournaments for Valorant trying to work yourself up in that scene because there's no money anymore in what you were working in before Yes, yes. Very near and dear to my heart right now. Uh, StarCraft, um, especially because StarCraft was such a, it still kind of is, but we were definitely one of the worst esports when it came to uh, the community's feeling of betrayal if you did do something else. Yeah. Uh, it's better well, now. I think but... it's because it's such a, a legacy there, you know, yeah, like sure. StarCraft is one of the ones that's, you know, I, I can see how this how like that and like dota too how people are like how dare you leave but um, <laughs> yes yes yeah but yeah like but you also don't really you don't see that really in other titles though you know mm-hmm. um, yeah i think so i think talking to other people um there's a lot more of that i like they're very in tune with the idea that yeah there, there might not be a tomorrow here mm-hmm. um which is just the unfortunate uh, problem that that esports is going to have for a very very long time yeah. uh and that they're very much willing to to go out and about um but then i you know i've also heard that i guess so that that's your like the the, the biggest problem that you see that's really keeping talent back uh what do you think about when it when it comes to kind of general branding then right so it is maybe almost easier to say i am the overwatch person like, this is my brand. This is what I do. Mm. So you stream it, you make YouTube content, you, you, you cast it, whatever you do. Um, do you think that it is easier? Maybe that's one of the, the one of the reasons amongst many that they're doing this. Um, or do you think that there is a lot to be said about making sure that your brand is kind of all encompassing? And do you think that talent are even really thinking about brands? Because I bring it up on the podcast mm-hmm. and a lot of people are just like, oh, I just kind of do things. So do you think it's like unappreciated right now? Um, here is it's so weird because you know how I was saying there's an ebb and flow there. Um, this kind of falls into that where um, it is a lot easier to get noticed and to get work when you have a larger following. Mm-hmm. So how do you build that larger following without really diving in and growing a com- like that following in a, in a particular community? Mm-hmm. But then, then you go and work on different titles and that following's like, wait, I'm not interested in, I'm not interested in Rocket League or a StarCraft person. You know, like I don't – that's not my my thing. And like, you, you know, the following doesn't really follow you. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think it's important to diversify. It's important to, to – I okay. I'm trying to think <laughs> of a really good example right now of someone who's doing this. Mm. I'll try to think with you because I know yeah. it was a – you know, it was a large question. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And my, and my following comes from Borderlands. So then it's easier for me to go off and do multiple things because Borderlands is just like, we love you, Angel. And like, I'm like hosting a Halo thing and they're like, cool. 
uh-huh, angel, yeah. you know? Um, so it's different, you know? And I think of like Lawler. Lawler actually does a really good job awesome. at what he does. Um, you know, and at first he's, you know, he was more diverse and then really kind of jumped into um, to Rocket League and then started doing a lot of content around that. Uh, and I think he's done a really good job at captivating that audience. And, you know, like right now he's riding that train, um, but then also he's able, he's able and capable of going off and doing other, other titles as well. Um, and, oh, a really, actually a really great example of this, uh, wave punk, wave punk mm. started off in rocket league and then started doing Twitch rivals. And because of Twitch rivals can literally go and do anything. And, and, um, has it, built up his following maybe i think it has i think it's definitely helped him um but it's it's the same in on camera work like you you build your you want to build your following your brand um because especially if you're bigger if you do invest in something like rocket league and let's say rocket league tomorrow it just isn't a thing anymore you at least have that platform to go and do something else with. So they might Mm -hmm. be hardcore rocket league people, but you're hoping that they still love you because of who you are and your personality and your, and your opinions and blah, blah, blah. So that they follow you. Um, but, um, you know, it, there's no perfect algorithm to it. There's no, uh, rhyme or reason why certain things and like you know just because you have a big following doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get the job they're still going to pick who's the better option hopefully mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and in, in your experience actually uh i think this is I, i've heard a lot of answers from this one i don't think anyone actually has the answer but do you do you think that the amount of followers and like where the followers are like uh which platform like twitter tiktok whatever it is um actually influences I, I mean can you give a percentage on how much it would influence you being uh hired or at least your uh approachability or you want to say your potential yes. to be hired for other events yes so i mean every every league and production company and brand or whatever will do their background work on you and go and like look at everything make sure you're safe um twitter in our space is the biggest like Clearly, um, it really doesn't matter for Instagram and, and TikTok, maybe a little bit TikTok more now. So, um, but mm-hmm. not, not for like really esports, I don't think. Um, but Twitter is really important um, in our industry for sure. I would say it's, it's a brand. My experience working with brands is they care more about how many people you have than necessarily your experience in that particular title or anything like that because and that is why you're seeing a lot more content creators who necessarily aren't like hosts and casters start doing things because brand like brands are like oh you have 100k followers like great because that's kind of their KPI that's um uh-huh. yeah and that's unfortunate cuz someone like Dreamhacker Blast isn't going to look at that. Mm. Um, and Riot, they're not going to look at that. They're going to look at pure talent. Um, but Red Bull will. Red Bull does care about um, the age demographics and blah, blah, blah of who they're hiring. 
and but there's no, they're not going to tell you that they're going to kind of make assumptions based off of like whatever research they can do off of just looking at your social media <laughs> yeah yeah interesting because i think that's an important point to bring up because it's very easy to just say like well you know for particular esports and especially like just pure like like i got you said dream hack and blast um, they might be more talent focused or even want to put that more scene focused, community focused. Mm-hmm. But uh, Red Bull does come in to a lot of different scenes and they have they're doing a lot of things that are very fun in a lot of different scenes. So mm-hmm. to hear that, you know, from from my perspective saying, like, well, I talked to these guys and they're all like, yeah, well, they're not going to be paying attention to that and this and this and that. Uh, but there are going to be those times where there's going to be a big sponsor or a big organizer um, that come in and they're like, yeah, we understand that they're really great. But, you know, what about this person who has X amount? Um, and you're absolutely right about the amount of content creators that are now becoming part of the show, mm-hmm. which I think I've seen some talent uh, kind of push back on. Uh, I know that one big proponent uh, supporter of this, like you need to grow your your Twitter, especially is Shocks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's talked about it as well. And I've always wondered, you know, how that actually does impact things. So you are, you're, you know, you're, you're adding to the, the pile of like, yes, it absolutely does matter. It absolutely um, does matter. <laughs> which I think comes from more of the people who have been in multiple uh, places in esports, as well as just the times, you know, I guess even two years into this podcast, things have, have changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that s- uh, subject, uh, just you mentioned that you said they're, they're the safe. Uh, what exactly did you mean by that when people do their due diligence and see that you're safe? Uh, I think it's it's one brand safe because a lot of people are going in and selling against the tournament. And that's I mean, that's really what keeps them alive. So if you're off um, starting trouble or anything, um, you know, saying things you shouldn't on Twitter or even in your Twitch streams or um, TikTok, like they'll go into Facebook, like they'll go and make sure. They'll go and, you know, even if maybe they'll look at Reddit as well to see if there's anything that's been bad on Reddit. But, you know, they want to make sure that brands aren't going to be upset working with you Mm. and that you're not a risk when it comes to, like, conversations that will piss someone off because ultimately at the end of the day, it's the brand that keeps the light on, not the people who are watching. So, um, you know, we got to, you know, they'll (laughs) – reputation is huge. So a lot of people also who decide that they're untouchable and want to start some drama, people will stay away from that because they're like, we don't want that around. We, we don't need our name in that light. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not us, it's you, but like, don't want our name in your mouth at all. <laughs> hey, I think it doesn't happen particularly quickly from what I've seen mm-hmm. or even kind of like closely seen. Um, but I'm thinking of bigger cases out in esports that I'm not involved in. But I feel like it doesn't happen immediately that you see that pushback from whatever mm-hmm. force it is when someone's being, let's say, super weird uh, or just super bad or just super just whatever dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think you see it eventually. Yeah. And know. sometimes you, you know, and unfortunately, <laughs> sometimes you see it's when people kind of get cocky and say certain things on Twitter and responses and like try to present themselves in a certain way that can be be a huge turnoff. Um, But then also um, people talk in the industry. And so if you're not, if you're someone who people don't like working with, then it's going to be hard to get a job. And unfortunately there's some bad seeds that still get jobs, but, um, but I mean, karma, karma comes back around. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which goes back to you, know, you pointing out like you could be working with the same production crew uh, mm-hmm. for the the um, another totally different events. I think they also are very close knit from what I've seen. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, production crew will usually go and hang out with the production crew or other production crews at like a dream hack that has like five different video games on. Okay. <laughs> so you better believe they, that if someone was really dramatic, it's coming around. Right. They all, and they all like go and work for the different tournaments and everything. So it's, it's honestly like a, it's a big puzzle all the time. And the moving pieces are always working on different projects. And yeah, I mean, you'll see, you see familiar faces all the time. Yeah. Uh, so I guess for like the, the, the kind of the ending part of this podcast, I do want to focus on uh, Tavern, uh, something that you're, you're creating and it sounds like you're very excited about and very proud of. Uh, so can you give us a summary of what that is and, and also kind of specifically what the goal is for it? Yeah. Okay. So Tavern, if I can just do the okay, one, the ta- Tavern, the name is like the Tavern in like World of Warcraft or the inn or, you know, where you go to get your mission and to find your team. Uh, I wanted something very comfortable, uh, and it is just that. So it is pretty much a marketplace for on-camera talent in gaming and esports and entertainment. Uh, what it, what this c- came from um, is exactly what we've been talking about. It's there's no centralized place to go find work as talent. Um, you know, it's kind of a who you know, and hopefully you built those relationships up, and hopefully when there's a new job, they call you up. And if you um, or you have to follow the right person on Twitter and just hope you're the first person that responds to that. Hey, is anyone available for this tweet? And that's not how it should be. That's not how it is in film and TV. Film and TV, they have casting uh, boards and websites where talent and agents go and submit themselves to work. And that's how you build your resume. And right now it's the Wild West. Uh, So, you know, I was I was frustrated as talent myself, um, you know with my career always being in the hands of someone else. And if I had a free Thursday, you know, like I was like, I want to be able to do more work or, um, on the hiring side, if you go, you're like, say, I want to go hire golden boy for a job. Oh, golden boy is booked up for the next four months. And then you sit there and you're like, Oh, what do I like? Who, you know, who else do I, who should we pick? You know? And so there's not a place to build that pool of talent or diversity really and to be able to to find maybe new diamonds in the rough that you want to bring in and give opportunity to new talent and not just use the same group of people all the time so um there was one day i was on a panel during the pandemic and someone asked like hi i really want to like first and foremost be a host um, and right now I'm trying to just build my, my career as a content creator, but like, that's the goal, but I don't even know where to go and find the work to be a host. And I know I'm not, I, I can't get an agent yet, but I don't even know where to go to build the talent, to get the, build the resume, to get the talent agent, to submit me to more jobs. And I was just like, holy crap, you're right. Cause I don't have a good, my story is so unique. I just kind of stumbled into it, as I said before, um, there is no place for new talent. And so uh, that's what Tavern will be. A lot of these companies, a lot of these, um, you know, whether you're a marketing agency, whether you're a brand, whether you are a tournament organizer or publisher or developer, uh, and you are, you have either a gaming news show, you have a tournament that's coming up, you have a series that's coming up, uh, voiceover, whatever it is, it is a place where you can go and say, hey, talent, submit yourself to this. Um, and talent can go submit to it so that you have an actual inclusive pool to choose from. 
which is a awesome uh, initiative and idea. Uh, I guess uh, to actually ask some detailed questions about it. Um, do you think that anyone has ever tried this? Have you looked at maybe something that is related closely to it? I know you brought up like mainstream industry type of, of situation uh, that can kind of learn from mm-hmm. that uh, you've witnessed and like, what are the, the, <laughs> the lessons that you've learned, I guess, so far kind of getting into that space and trying to develop this organization, uh, common meeting place? Yeah. So it, it exists in, in film and TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and there has been opportunities for gaming the like hosts and, and commercials and stuff that go through some of those sites. Um, however, the thing that stinks about using that is that you're stuck with, there's, you know, there might be hundreds of us in, in esports and gaming in particular, let's like even bring the niche a little bit smaller, um, that are looking for gaming work. Um, you're whenever you put a job posting on those sites, you are putting it out to the world of everyone who wants to be an actor uh, and like just want any job possible. And so you get thousands of people who who apply to your job who are like, I've played Mario Kart once. And you're like, this is a Halo post. I don't <laughs> like you. And so it, it that broadens a little bit too much. So it's not necessarily a competition. And to be honest, for sites like that, our niche is a piece of the pie, like a a smaller piece of their pie. So Mm -hmm. this is really something to help elevate our industry in particular. Um, And there is nothing like it in our industry. Um, You know, you can say like Hitmarker or Twitter, you know, but that's (laughs) Twitter's my biggest competitor. And that's silly (laughs) to say, you know, and and it's not even a competition. Like Twitter would be like saying that, you know? And so, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's more so like what if it wanted to scale, how would it scale, which was, you know, what we're working on because it could be bigger production wise as well, like photographers, videographers, script writers, you know, um, observers, admins, like that type of stuff as well. Um, but really the focus is on camera talent. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Very cool. Very specific. Uh, well, not very specific, but yeah, definitely good to narrow the pool. Um, and then I guess from your perspective, then do you see the future looking more like the entertainment industry, uh, at least when it comes to this, this market, right? Like the whole, even, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, actually having people try out audition. That's the word audition. I'm yeah. For. Yes. Uh, that there's even going to be more audition based like, hirings in mm-hmm. esports in the future. Um, yes, maybe not so much in, in certain roles, you know, mm-hmm. I don't casting and shop casting, com- color commentary, that type of stuff. It might just be more like, show us your reel. Uh, you know, hosting, there's still a lot of auditions that happen for, I feel like hosting less stage hosting and more so like production broadcast, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can see that getting, you know, General question, is it becoming more like general entertainment? Yes. I mean, we're already seeing the huge agencies move into the space. Uh, We're already seeing kind of a more um, standardized rates, uh, standardized like uh, percentages that managers and agents take. Um, Whenever CAA, WME, and UTA joined 
into esports and took the interest of hosts and and creators in that in this space, uh, then that's whenever you started seeing change happen. Sorry, what was that? Like CAA, WME, UTA, those are the biggest um, agencies in the world for oh, okay. for talent for um, like they're the they're the people who represent like Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, you know, like those people. Gotcha. Um, and uh, <laughs> like those are kind of once those agencies got the attention of gaming and esports, and then they started having gaming and esports departments, and actually started representing talent, not only esports athletes and creators, but also hosts. That's when things really started to change. And, and I feel like production ramped up and, and it's now, you know, working for free is no longer okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of push, I think in general esports. Yeah. There will be no free, free talent options on Tavern. I already put that on there. I'm like you, this is not a place to come if you're wanting free talent. Good, good, good. Uh, so that's that's fascinating, actually. I don't know anything about that particular part of it. Uh, I don't know anything about the entertainment industry, to be honest. Um, so when did, when did you – do you know when that kind of happened? Are we talking like 2015, 2012, 2020? No. I mean because when I moved out to LA, I was having conversations with those bigger agencies about gaming and esports, and they were like, that's cute. Um, <laughs> and then fast forward, a lot of my friends who are in the space are like, holy crap, you were onto something. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but it honestly it took that time it took that time mm-hmm. to grow I think they got in at the right time um and this has really only been I think probably in the past four four five four years maybe maybe four wow. years I mean CAA uh UTA WME all have now full-fledged gaming departments and um dedicated agents and everything and uh, they're the ones who are kind of bringing in those the big eyeballs too, though. Like CAA packages a lot of deals um, for TV shows and and like ESPN. And like they're they're the ones with those connections. These huge agencies bring in a lot of brands into the space as well. So as much as it's scary and everyone's like, oh no, it's going to be ruined because of all these people coming in, <laughs> it's actually what's helped grow the visibility yeah. of esports. Uh, that's fascinating. Uh, again, you said it and I was like, yeah, that makes sense that there'd be these like uh, conglomerate type situations with, mm-hmm. with agencies. I just never was, thought about it. Um, so this is also funny. You're talking about it. I was like, are we having a world where you're going to have people, especially I think the ones who are here now, a lot of them are going to have their history being I was a shy nerd that stumbled into this over the last decade. Are we going to have them? moving more into the entertainment industry because we had a lot of entertainment industry people move into video games Mm -hmm. uh maybe not even their ideal scenario but it was a job right are you think you're gonna have the the other way around where it's gonna be all the shy nerds who weren't even into the industry but now they're like yeah it's kind of what i do like i'm on talent on on air talent absolutely i think so um i mean you kind of already you're seeing bigger opportunities come to uh personalities in the space and even hosts, like, let's look at Golden Boy. Like, he, he's, his dream was to one day – and he was just, like – it was, like, kind of a joke, but, like, his dream one day was to do uh, wrestling. Um, and he has gone on to be a yeah. host for wrestling. And then he also had his show with The Rock. Yeah, uh, I didn't add with him. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you're seeing that, too. Like, G- G4 getting heavily into the WWE, and um, there's more and more opportunities. I think it's, it's easier for – 
gaming talent to move into those other categories when those other categories are getting to gaming, uh, you know, like it's really hard for someone. I will take this back though, like NBA 2K, Madden, FIFA, like sideline reporters that work in that world can easily go in and work for FIFA tournaments and and Madden and NBA 2K. And you, you see that there, I'm pretty sure there's an NBA 2K host that comes from like real like collegiate basketball broadcast and and NBA broadcast. So like in that mm-hmm. type of stuff, yes. But like can they come in and do Valorant? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, it, you're you're seeing more of a crossover, but it definitely leans to favor one side. Yeah. And uh, I know it's kind of like jumping back way in time, but were you a shy nerd uh, growing up did you find yourself particularly outgoing and prepared to be on camera uh or did this kind of develop naturally through being interested in video games i think it developed naturally through interest in video games i was a political science major so i think i liked being i like talking to people i like being around mm. people um i think the maybe the thing i kept not quiet was like how much I played video games. You know, I think only like my close friends really knew like that was my thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think maybe it's also what's helped me a lot. Like I've always been a good people person. I think I've, one of my favorite things to do is to connect people. So like, I'll, t- you know, just from talking to someone and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll introduce you to this person, this person, this person, whatever. <laughs> and that's definitely helped for sure. Yeah. It, it won't serve you in this world to to just sit quietly by yourself and hope that the work comes to you. You've got to put put yourself out there. Yes, that is certainly true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then uh, I guess from one of my last questions, actually. So alongside signing up on Tavern, right? Mm-hmm. Shout out for you. Uh, <laughs> aside from doing that, do you, do you still like, you know, the general advice here is to go to get an agent. Um, is that going to be the standard kind of path of progression for talent i mean hopefully this serves that gray area is what i'm hoping tavern does but yes i think there will be a certain point in your career where you have to get an agent um that's how it is in entertainment like if you want to you can go out there and work on a lot of indie films and like commercials and um smaller voiceover gigs smaller uh, student films, but and you're never going to get the opportunity to get your face or your foot in the door with feature films, with television shows, with like the big voiceover jobs, the big commercials. Um, if you don't have someone opening that door for you and submitting you, um, and a lot of that is behind closed doors, like the big big auditions happen are not public, you know, and so there's no way for you to access that unless you have an agent. Um, mm-hmm. It will be that way too. There are a lot of opportunities that go straight to agents and aren't, you know, thrown on Twitter and for people to actually submit themselves to, you know, those are usually the smaller jobs that, you know, you hope turns into something more. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you go about getting an agent? Uh, I think it's, you know, put a, together a reel of what you've done and don't be shy about knocking on doors and throwing it in people's faces, <laughs> you know, um, I think there are a handful of agents, agencies out there that handle on-camera talent, um, specifically more endemic to gaming, um, and then entertainment as well. And, um, I think it never hurts to ask cause there's, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen is 
they say no, but like that doesn't stop you from having your career. Like you can just keep on working and keep on building your resume and keep on sending it out to certain people. I mean, you have to. Yeah. So mm-hmm. throw it at people's faces through the doors. <laughs> um, got it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that uh, one of the yeah, – I've talked to a lot of people who, you know, and I feel like half of them are pretty – you know, kind of reserved. They understand how difficult it is to put yourself out there. And half of them are like, yeah, you know, maybe I was, but I got over it. I still think it's really important. It's too important not to do can also be an answer. Um, but there's one person in particular, I don't know if you know her, uh, for Overwatch, Lemon Kiwi. And she was one of the only people I've ever talked to in 55 episodes and just general life where she was just like, yeah, I just go up and ask. Like, I don't understand what's wrong with that. <laughs> and I'm just you, like, oh, no. You yeah, yeah, you have to. You have to. You can't. Um, I, that's kind of my mantra is like, it doesn't hurt to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and especially if I see – so if I'm working on – if I see something I want to be working on, and um, I meet someone who kind of has some sort of attachment or connection to that, I will not be shy to say like, hey, if there's ever an opportunity, like, please keep me in mind. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and that's and, all it really takes too sometimes, yeah. right? I think there's a lot of problem with, you know that the jobs aren't going to come to you, but then like you kind of still feel like that's still kind of the, especially in esports, it's still kind of the process that happens a lot of the time. But honestly, you know, I've gone from no one ever mentioning other video games to me at all to mentioning that I was interested in Valorant and I did like a cast for it. And then suddenly it was like three different things like Age of Empires and Valorant from a bigger, uh, mm-hmm. more important per- uh, person, uh, industry uh, organization. And then CSGO was also something people were like, oh, you're interested in doing that. And I was just like, that's kind of all it took, weirdly enough. Not that I got a bunch of jobs, to be clear, but I suddenly was in the conversation, right? And all it was was just being like, oh, you are interested in doing other things. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah. you can't assume – you can never assume uh, for someone to be interested in you. You know, like you have to be like, hi, I'm available. Yeah. Um, hey, like it's it's dating in, in esports and gaming. <laughs> like you're like, I'm single. <laughs> guys, I'm single. <laughs> um, not really, guys. Okay. Well, but, <laughs> but yeah, like you, you know, you, there's oftentimes where you find yourself at the hotel bar having a conversation with someone who works for like at BlizzCon. I mean, I, I have gotten most of my work for the rest of the year by going to Irvine for BlizzCon and sitting at that <laughs> hotel bar. Um, you know, and just the people awesome. that you meet talking, who come around, um, and like, keeping in touch, following them, and just being like, hey, by the way, like, really love the show or really love what you guys are doing. You know, this is something that I really want to do one day. So keep me in mind if there's ever an opportunity for, you know, something even if small. And and you would be surprised how many people actually keep you in mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think one of the fears is perhaps I just speaking from personal experience and mm-hmm. trying to be not as uh, – shy basically um i think part of the issue though is being wary of being that person who just says you know like to every person they meet like oh, i love to do that i love to do that i love to do that just basically seeing very um non-genuine uh yeah yeah i, mean, yeah, I would say be, be genuine uh there are there you can you can sense out desperateness easily yeah desperation, you know yeah. um Desperation. Uh, yeah, you can sense that out pretty easily. If you, if I think it, there is something to be, 
it genuine as if like you try to have a conversation with that person first. And if not, like there might be someone that like you follow on Twitter that follows you back and you've never had a conversation. You can kind of just be like, hey, just putting it out there, um, like sending a DM and, you know, introducing yourself. Um, you know, don't, don't, I would say like, don't ever annoy someone. Mm-hmm. Don't like, you know, just the one, the one message being like, Hey, you know, I'm here. Just wanted to let you know I'm here. Um, but you know, whenever you're out at an event or something, when it's, when you're having a conversation with someone and you don't even maybe like, you know who they are, but like you have that conversation with them first, that kind of builds some familiarity and not, yeah. even, not friendship, but you know, um, yeah. civilness that you can say like, by the way, you know, if it comes up in conversation or towards the end of the conversation, then that's going to feel genuine. It's not like the first thing you're spitting out at them whenever you meet them. So, yeah. So, you know, I, or like you meet them and afterwards you send them a message saying like, you know, it was great meeting you. Um, hope you had a great BlizzCon. Hope you had a great uh, TwitchCon. You know, oh, the, you know, that so happy I went to that happy hour at E3. It was great meeting you. Hope you had a great rest of your week. Uh, just wanted to drop a note and say like, you know, would love to work together at some point. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very powerful thing. I think the follow-up mm-hmm. would used to be an email. Now it's DM or discord or whatever it is yeah. now. Right. But the follow-up can be very important and just very, it, it's a very, it's a very professional thing to do. Sometimes it, it's obviously very difficult to just sit here and try to explain social interactions to people, uh, especially those who, you know, struggle uh, with social interactions. But I think, Intent does show through. So if your initial intention is to just kind of be friendly, have fun, talk about things that you like, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, on top of that, you're you're capable of putting on the big boy pants, right? Putting on suspenders and saying like, "By the way, I think this would be really cool." Just if you've ever got an opening, um, mm-hmm. it is something that you like. A lot of people have to learn, myself included. Um, but it is kind of you know, eventually become very socially agile at it. I feel like you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's just a, a, the best advice I could certainly give as someone who has had people come to me for advice or asking about jobs. Um, absolutely. I can always tell if their first instinct was to be cool <laughs> basically, or if their first instinct was to like, oh, okay, yeah, she's gonna get me a job. Like, let's go. Yeah. So I yeah, you, I feel like advice. I can sniff out, um, you know, someone who's just trying to get information out of me versus like someone yeah. who's just like genuine, like, Hey, like, I admire kind of like what you've been doing and would love to work with you. You know, there's, there's a different, it's all in kind of the delivery. <laughs> it's it is, all yeah. in the delivery, you know? Um, and then just be genuine in this, in this industry. It's such a small world still like it, it's big, it's growing, but it's still a small world. So um, mm-hmm. I think as long as you're kind and um, you know, don't be, don't be competitive. That's something I have a conversation with hosts all the time, oh. especially if we, if we Wow. Females in the space, um, you know, us women have to really work together um, to to build each other up, you know, and try to n- negate any toxicity that there is. And so, mm-hmm. like, whenever you hear about someone being terrible, especially in that one woman to another woman, like, it's it you it spreads through the industry like wildfire. I mean, people have been fired for it. Um, wow. Yeah, and and guys to women too. Um, so, and we're, we're kind of seeing that in a couple scenes and, and whatnot right now, but, um, and that's kind of what I go, what, what I was saying earlier was like, don't feel like you're untouchable because we're learning that 
no one's untouchable. Um, So, so I, yeah, I think the biggest thing is be kind because like whatever bridge you're going to burn because you feel like you need to put yourself forward before anyone else, like it comes back, it comes back around. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I think, good advice on the day to day uh, Mm -hmm. as well. So generally, I think the, uh, a lot of people have kind of come to the conclusion that generally being cool and nice has gotten them <laughs> to a lot of places and that they've seen the disasters and they uh yeah i don't i've I've not talked to someone who's had a disaster maybe that'll be a goal of this podcast to mm-hmm. be like hey you were just kicked out of the scene tell me what you did wrong um <laughs> but yeah it does seem to be the uh one of the secrets to success uh so with that uh, i want to give this you know to anything you want to talk about anything you want to say to the people out there uh working in the industry or just a shout out to what you're doing currently yeah i mean um really right now i um am focusing on getting tavern launched the light is at the end of the tunnel we're just kind of tying up back end stuff on the development side um but i'm doing a lot of biz dev and i am so excited to launch it because it really gets me excited when talent are like i'm so excited to find finally have a place where i can put myself out there more um you know and and it's not it's not a lost space anymore we we can kind of you know, even if I'm taking myself out of the hosting scene to be able to build this, like to know that it's helping so many other people, um, means a lot. So I hope it's hugely successful. I, I really look forward to, to seeing how that works out and like fits into the scene as well. So it would be completely mm-hmm. awesome if people, yeah, I think when I had this with juked a little bit, um, they also wanted to create something bit unique, uh, very almost homegrown, but still very much known mm-hmm. across the industry. Um, and sometimes you see that and you're just like, oh no, is it going to work out? And it has worked out so far as I can mm-hmm. see from them. So I can, I think that they've this, made, uh, they've made well. the right pivots for sure. I like, I like what Juke is doing and I like the team behind it too. So it's really good to know that like, they're still be they're still, you know, staying to themselves and, and the community that they have is great. So, yeah. I think it's nice to see that there still can be improvements, that yeah. this, like, their idea is not a lost cause, right? right? To create a better space for esports conversations and organization and, and paying attention to it is not a lost cause, like it might have been thought of after some guy in 2015 tried it, you know? Um, so I, I really hope that it's, it's, it's very successful. I look forward to following the uh, announcement and whatnot. So thank you for coming on oh uh, God, to no. cast your calls. Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been a very fun conversation. Uh, thank you guys for watching out there. If you would like to support the Patreon, it is patreon.com slash zombie grub. Uh, and we do have some special shout outs for a few people who go above and beyond in their support of it. So thank you to Nick, Vinny, Stephen, E.T., Ravi, and Cuddle Bunny, as well as to Shane for co-producing the podcast and Barrett for helping the organization reaching out and all that good stuff. So thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you again, Brittany. And I look forward to seeing you guys back for episode 56. Bye.